Welcome to Sophisticated Property Investing, a podcast brought to you by Ethical Property Partners, the experts in sophisticated property investment. Hi there, ladies and gents. Frank Flegg here, founder of Ethical Property Partners, and welcome to this next episode of the Sophisticated Property Investment Podcast. On Ethical Property Partners, we have multiple educational concepts. I regularly explain one of them in a podcast. And in this podcast, I'm going to be talking to you about the complexity conundrum. Many concepts that we use on EPP are not ours. We have borrowed them from elsewhere. Whenever I know where they've come from, I always credit them as often as I can. We've been influenced by a lot of the property investors around the world who've written books and run seminars. A lot of the business gurus, Anthony Robbins, Brad Sugars, Brian Tracy, Jim Rohn. And if you listen to them speaking, they have (laughs) borrowed from one another as well, because the truth is the truth and best practice is best practice, regardless of who's talking about it at that moment and regardless about who has put it in the prettiest diagram. But the complexity conundrum, I can honestly say I've never heard anywhere. I came up with it because partners were making deals so complex that they weren't getting them over the line. That is why I've came up with the concept. But now what I see is people making mistakes. Like people say, oh yeah, I get that. I get that. I get the complexity conundrum. Yeah, yeah. So when I'm with a vendor, I mustn't mustn't overcomplicate the deal. Even if it makes it not as good a deal, I need to keep it simple enough to get it over the line, which is absolutely right. But it isn't just that. The complexity conundrum is present always it's always there in many many different situations and so in this episode I'm going to talk to you about eight different situations where I have encountered the complexity conundrum and I've thought to myself ah that's the complexity conundrum we need to be careful here or I had to say to my client you realize this is the complexity conundrum here because either they're saying, oh, I can't make it too complex and they should be. They should be making it more complex because they need to make it as profitable as possible or they're making it really complex and they shouldn't be. And it is a difficult concept to understand. So let me just outline the complexity conundrum. In general, all else being equal, the more complex you make a deal, the more profitable it is for you and the other party. That's the general rule of thumb in sophisticated property investing. Not in regular investing, not in traditional investing, but in sophisticated investing. Now, as profit and complexity go up hand in hand, the opposite happens. So inversely proportionate is the chances of the deal completing. So very simple deal is not going to be as profitable for you or the vendor but is really, really likely to complete because it's simple. Think of a purchase. You buy a property, perhaps BMV, but you buy it tomorrow for cash. There's not a lot that can go wrong. If you don't do searches, if you don't require any kind of search on title, any kind of disclosure from the vendor, you can buy it literally in 24 hours, 48 hours, depends how good your lawyer is, and you pay cash for it. Simple, you've got the keys, you've got legal title, great. That is highly likely to complete, given that you've got a yesterday from the vendor. So that's not very profitable for you, not very profitable for the vendor, because you're probably going to pay massively below market value. You know, if someone came to me and said, I want to do this deal in the next 48 hours, Frank, I'll be looking at 40, 50% of market value if I've got to raise that cash in 24, 48 hours. So it's not very 
profitable for the vendor neither is it very profitable for you because you are putting all 100% cash in are you going to be able to borrow that much cash from an external third party in 24 48 hours not likely so it's probably going to be your cash which is even more valuable and so it's not very profitable for you not very profitable for the vendor but it's really simple so it's low on the complexity conundrum and therefore really likely to complete. Let's go to the opposite end of the complexity conundrum. And the conundrum is as profit goes up, likelihood of making that profit goes down. That's the paradox, if you want to use that word. So at the other end, you've got, you know, a deal where perhaps you're doing 100% finance, you're raising finance in multiple locations, you're perhaps paying the vendor over time. So they're getting some money now, some money in the future, maybe you make those future payments dependent on performance of the property. So capital growth, or your ability to get planning permission, or to even lease the property to a certain organisation, you could make it infinitely complex and really, really profitable, perhaps for the vendor, the vendor could get 150 200% of current market value, but there are so many clauses in there and so much legalese for the vendor to plough through and they have to trust you implicitly because what happens if, and it's not, are you truthful? It's, are you actually good enough at business to be able to keep this property profitable for this you know, it could be a 20 year deal. So it's so complex that the likelihood of the vendor just saying, actually, no thanks, is really high. So really profitable, really complex, but the chances of completion has gone through the floor. So that's chances of completion at the start with a simple deal really high, chances of completion at the end, at the other end of the spectrum with a really complex deal really, really low. So that's the complexity conundrum in a five minute press for you. So these are the eight examples and, and these are real life examples. I may anonymize, I think that's the word I'm looking for, these examples because some of them are clients, some of them are commercially sensitive etc because some of them are live deals at the moment in fact one of them I, I went to see this morning and will be offering on this afternoon so I'll need to uh, not give the address of that one in case they get 20 offers uh, as soon as this podcast goes out but these are real life examples of where that complexity conundrum is either being misapplied or not applied at all or could be misapplied if there wasn't awareness about it. And hopefully those real life examples will help you in your property business. So number one is I'm negotiating currently on a franchise. I'm buying into a franchise with uh, two other gentlemen. And we have got to the point in the negotiations where I think all three of us are a bit frustrated with the negotiations. And I've looked at it, I thought, ah, oh, it's not. And these are sophisticated vendors. You know, they, they own a, a nationwide franchise. It's a successful franchise. They want my expertise to help them to grow it. And we've got to the point in the negotiations where there is a few outstanding areas to agree, but it's time sensitive. The deal really needs to be done now. And we need to crack on with growing the franchise and supporting franchisees and bringing new franchisees in etc i think that if we continue to negotiate on this we might get it over the line but the business might have suffered in the interim and it's currently their business and they're seeing that pain of of it not performing as it could be and i think that pain will start to be attributed to me because i'm stringing out the negotiations in their opinion i also want to be involved in this business i want to work with the team involved i want to work with the franchisees involved i want to grow it and so there's quite a lot of motivation 
from all of us, all three of us, to just get cracking with it, even though we haven't quite nailed down the head to terms. We almost have. But it needs to go through lawyers anyway. So what I'm thinking is, and this is the complexity conundrum is, rather than make it really complex now, we'll keep it at its current level of complexity and take that leap of faith together. So we'll get going. I'll be introduced as the new face of this uh, franchise and I'll start communicating with franchisees, helping them with training, helping to recruit new franchisees, etc. That's a leap of faith from their perspective because currently we only have a, a heads of terms and then with with a couple of undecided points in it and then as we go through the lawyer part and the uh, my lawyers and their lawyers agree on every single point we recognize that yeah there's going to be a bit more complexity and we might need to sit down around a table and compromise etc but i trust them and they trust me i think we'll be able to achieve that now the risk for me is i work for a few months give them a lot of my intellectual property and come up with a lot of strategies and really get some traction going and I still haven't got the deal nailed down so there's a bit of risk from both of us but once you've made a level of commitment so from a vendor's perspective on a property I know I'm talking about business here but their commitment their skin in the game is announcing me to all their franchisees it'll look really bad if they announce me to all their franchisees and then three months later say actually you know we said Frank was going to be your point of contact you know Frank was going to be heading up the trainings every month etc that's no longer happening frank's no longer involved that's their skin in the game that would reflect really poorly on them from my perspective my skin in the game is obviously doing the work without having a legally drawn up agreement so you know they might not honor it i'm sure they will but they might not and then where do i stand we've just assigned and witnessed heads of terms So with a vendor, you need to consider the amount of skin in the game the vendor has right now. Ordinarily, it's almost none, right? They might have signed an option agreement, but it's a doorstep option. So they're not, you know, they haven't had legal advice on it. So they're not really tied in legally. If they have never, ever enforced an option that I've signed with a vendor, if they decide they don't want to sell to me, I just walk away and yes, occasionally I've lost a few hundred pounds or a thousand pounds with my legal fees or mortgage arrangement fees etc but you know the amount of money i've made from using doorstep options that dwarfs that you might have a bit of skin in the game with the vendor but if you want to make a deal more complicated later as is the case with this franchise purchase it's important to consider how you can get the vendor to put a bit of skin in the game and one of the easiest ways is to take control of the property so if you take control of the property enter into a rental agreement with a tenant you start managing the property if the vendors moved out and you're now paying them a monthly amount instantly their level of commitment to the deal has gone up so now they can deal with more complexity perhaps while they were paying the mortgage and they were living in the property their commitment was six out of ten if they've moved into their dream home because you've facilitated that you've rented the property out you're paying them x amount a month even though you haven't yet completed on the property because there's been a delay because of conveyancing or lending or whatever they're now perhaps 9.9 out of 10 committed to the deal because they don't want to give up their dream home they don't want to move back into this house they need to sell to you and they're already benefiting from the property in a way that they wouldn't have done otherwise there's my first example of the complexity conundrum and 
It's about recognizing at what level of the transaction is an appropriate amount of complexity. And if you make it more complex than the current level of commitment and the current sophistication of the vendor, etc., you're likely to lose the deal. And you don't have to do it all at once. You can introduce some complexity later, especially if that complexity is a layer of icing. So we talk about the cake being the deal and layers of icing making the deal sweeter. If you don't need something in a deal to make it work, you can introduce it later. And if the vendor goes, oh no, I don't like the sound of that, you know straight away not to do it. And if the vendor goes, oh, okay, so what's in it for me? I get that. Oh yeah, I don't mind that. You can, you know, for example, a key undertaking, you can do all the works before you own the property, Frank, no problem at all. And oh, you're gonna pay my bills whilst you do that. Oh yeah, that'd be nice yeah, brilliant. I'm already living in Spain or I'm already living with my new partner. Yeah, I'd love you to pay my bills. I trust you implicitly. You crack on, you know, key undertaking like that can be a lovely layer of icing that you don't need to introduce initially. Right at the end of our sign up process is a permission to let before completion. I always ask that at the end of the help visit because the number of times a vendor has said, it's empty now. I'd love to go halves with you on the rent. If the deal does take a bit longer than you'd hoped, maybe it takes three or four months and it's a thousand pounds a month, then the vendor gets 500 pounds. You get 500 pounds. That's an infinite return on investment, but that's 500 pounds a month for three or four months. That might be your complete investment in the deal. The deal might only require a grand or two to complete. And now the tenants paid for it. You're earning money on a property you don't even own. And if you do 10 deals in a year and every deal, you make an extra two grand on it upfront before you buy it, that's 20,000 pounds. That's an amazing amount of additional cash in your pocket at the end of the year. So it's about asking the questions and introducing the complexity at the appropriate time in the process. So that's example one. Example two is from this morning. I've gone to view a property this morning for me to actually buy with my partner. I know that 13 weeks ago, this property was offered on and sold. It was actually, we missed it. We weren't vigilant enough it's in exactly the right street there's only about three streets we want to buy in this uh, village and it's on exactly the right street it's at the right price got the right number of bedrooms beautiful actually and we missed it it's sold we spoke to the agent he said oh i'm so sorry it's already sold and we said well we'd be really interested in in buying it if it comes back on the market lo and behold wednesday it came back on the market the um, elderly couple that were buying it they have been buying it for 13 weeks bless them decided that the stairs were too steep for them <laughs> it took them 13 weeks to decide that they're an elderly couple and decided they wanted a bungalow but what like that that is everything that is wrong with the england and wales property purchasing uh, system exemplified in that failed transaction but the upside of that is that the agent phoned us uh, yesterday so that was Wednesday night. These people pulled out. He's on it. He's a good agent. He phoned us Thursday um, morning. You said you're interested. I know you're ready to proceed. I know you don't have anything to buy. The vendors of this house uh, have already offered on their purchase and are, are already buying it. And they must sell this one in order to buy their next one. He said, I know you're ready to proceed do you want to come look at it? And we were like, yep. So we went to see it this morning. It's exactly what we we're after. It's exactly what we want. Now we know that 13 weeks ago, it was offered at a price. They have added a 
chunk to that price and that's what it's going back on at. I don't I think oh no it has gone back on the market yeah it's gone back on the market but they haven't done any viewings yet they're doing a group viewing on Wednesday and they just let us go around it uh, today because we're in uh, Paris for a few days next week and so um, we won't be there when they're doing these group viewings we walked around it my partner and I and we said once we got back in the car yeah we love it we definitely want it but the question is on Wednesday morning they were happy to sell it at the lower price by Friday morning when we viewed it they want a chunk more and it's not a, it's not a massive amount but it's not a small amount um it's about two percent more and you think well three months 13 weeks two percent yeah maybe that's fair that's eight percent per annum it probably is going up by that at the moment but i think we're quite close to the top of the market etc so here's the thing the guy himself the vendor is a retired estate agent and he said we need to be under offer on this one within the next 10 days because our purchase is in jeopardy my partner and i have had a chat and we've decided that we need to offer today if we're going to offer we think that if we offer asking price it'll be accepted so that's with the two percent increase if we offer below that and this is what the agents already said the agent said they'll accept it at asking price uh, actually it's guide price because i think they're hoping for a bit more which they possibly will get if we offer below that even the two percent below that i think they'll wait till wednesday because wednesday today's friday wednesday is only what five days away i think they'll wait they'll probably get a higher offer might not but they might these houses that we like are coming up maybe one every three months and not all of them are perfect and this one pretty much is it's even got planning permission to extend it so i think we can do a two-story extension to the side and an additional garage etc and that is already got planning for that which is quite remarkable actually and it's indefinite planning permission so planning permission ordinarily is for three years it used to be five but now it seems to be for three years but the guy that's selling it very candidly added into the planning permission a porch extension which he did last year so the works for the planning have been commenced as you may or may not know once you start works under planning permission it can't expire so you can take 20 years to do the extension above the garage and the extension to the side of the garage etc so that would add an extra reception room downstairs and an extra bedroom upstairs which makes it a lovely house here's where the complexity conundrum kicks in on this second example it's very simple to say we'll buy it in the next 10 12 weeks that's what he's asked for we'll pay asking price for it we don't need to sell something we're pre-approved for a mortgage we'll do that on the condition that you don't have all these viewings on wednesday and i think we'll get it i think if we try and knock off the two percent it adds a little bit of complexity they will probably say let's do the viewings on wednesday the last time they did this the agent told us a few months ago they had 16 viewings and got seven offers when this went on the market 13 weeks ago that's how hot the market is in this part of uh, the country i'm in leicestershire this part of leicestershire for me it's about keeping it really simple so our offer is accepted and just swallowing the two percent now could the market drop next week yes yes it could could it drop next month yes it could could it drop in six months quite likely could this property be worth less in a year's time than it is today yes quite possibly but equally it could be worth more and the thing is i don't really want to sit around waiting for a year to wait for one property a quarter to come up and us be in a bidding war on each one we've already got the drop on everyone else because of our pre-existing relationship with this agent so that's the second example of keeping it really simple in order to do the deal so those first two examples i've kept the deal simpler 
than I might otherwise have done because I want to get it over the line and I've got my eye on the bigger prize which is doing the deal. This next example is the opposite of that. So my lawyer said, why are you making this so complicated? You're making it needlessly complicated. The juice isn't worth the squeeze, if you've heard that expression before. And what he meant by that is you're jumping through a lot of hoops to save not much money. And I have talked about this deal previously, so I won't go into loads of detail. But basically, I was buying a property, not a very expensive property. I think it was 120 grand property, I want to say, there or thereabouts. Purchasing into an SPV would have incurred the 3% surcharge, so the increased stamp duty, which 3% on 120 grand is £3,600. I had a assistant work in the office uh, with me at the time, and he said, hang on, Frank, could I buy this and save you the £3,600? And I said, yeah, you could actually. And I said, I'll tell you what, why don't we do that? It's your first deal, you get your foot on the property ladder you can go through the conveyancing purchase etc i'll give you a bonus i think i gave him a bonus of a grand that month you know for dealing with all the conveyancing and everything so he was delighted because he got a grand i was delighted because i saved three thousand six hundred pounds in stamp duty and he bought it as his principal primary residence now as it happened he was then in a position to sell it on to so the onward sale wasn't subject to capital gains tax. So he got another bonus and I saved some more money later on because he then had lived in it for a while. So it was his principal primary residence. So loads of advantages. And I had my eye on those advantages later. Now, this is really complicated and I'm not going to go into the detail, but he was owning the property. So you have to think to yourself, oh, so how did we protect our interests? Well, we lent him the money to buy the property. So we took a first charge on it. But then how did we get the profit from him selling it on? Well, we had quite a complex loan agreement, which meant that we kind of had an overage over the property. So anything he sold it for above, we got that as interest. All completely above board, but very complicated. And the lawyer said, Frank, this is really complicated. The chances of you falling out with your employee are quite high because it's so complicated and if we are going to draw up loan agreements that cover every potential eventuality then that's going to cost you more than what you're saving so my advice frank is don't bother and i said no no, no we're absolutely going to do this it's good for his development it's good for my learning we can save quite a few thousand pounds i've also got my eye on future development of this property and onward sale at capital growth we obviously got it a decent whack below market value and so contrary to the lawyer's advice we bought it in the manner that i've just described we saved all the stamp duty up front we then saved capital gains tax later on and it worked a dream the whole deal worked a dream it took quite a few years i think it was four years in total that he owned it or parts of it we subdivided it up uh, later on but that's an example of it being worth adding complexity into a deal in order to save money but notice there's no sale there it was me and my employee and he was learning how to do sophisticated investing and he wanted to be involved so it was also a bonus to him that he got to do more learning normally complexity is a disadvantage it's a negative that it might scare them away he was engrossed in the complexity he loved it and so it worked out really well so that's an example of it being okay to add in complexity we're doing a big deal at the moment um biggest deal we've ever done 27 flats we're buying i met with the lender this morning we did a zoom call with them it's the biggest loan they've ever made it's a 1.8 
million pound loan and they are a little bit nervous about it we're obviously cautious because that's quite a lot of lending to take on i've never bought 27 units in one go before so it's quite a lot of tenants to manage quite a lot of notices to serve etc she said something which really resonated with me she said frank i'm really pleased with how smoothly this has gone it's a big deal for us we've had to pull in a lot of investors because they get some of their lending from banks and then they get some of their lending from high net worth individuals so she's having to liaise with the investors and negotiate terms with them etc and she said this deal has gone smoother than almost any other deal like this has flown through the valuation was spot on the it was it was out by 40 grand it so it valued at 3.6 and we expected it to value at 3.64 so it's 40,000 pounds off which ain't bad over 3.6 million and um, she said the valuation was spot on the legals are going through really smoothly which if you think about the legals on 27 individual properties is pretty uh, massive and she said it's gone really smoothly now this is despite the fact that we've included so many clauses in the loan it's untrue so we can repay at any time as much as we want of the loan there's a minimum term of three months for some of the loan but not all of it so we could repay 1.7 million on day two if if we wanted to we wouldn't but we could we have negotiated for all of the interest to, to roll up over the 15 month loan so we got it for 15 months we've already lined up some onward sales so we're doing a traditional flip on at least five of the units potentially as many as 15 we haven't quite decided yet but we're going to flip some straight away to generate cash and repay some of the loan uh, instantly we've negotiated a 0.9 percent interest rate per month which is subject to bank of england base rate so it's fixed for 15 months unless bank of england base rate goes up by more than 0.5 percent which is possible definitely within 15 months but the interest rate only goes up by whatever the bank of england base rate goes up by after the 0.5 percent buffer so that was quite a complex piece of wording in the loan agreement and the reason i'm mentioning this to you is all this complexity like we need this money it's not easy to knock on someone's door and get 1.8 million pound in lending we need this money we need it on a specific date but not at any cost we need to be able to do what we need to be able to do afterwards in order for this to be a commercial deal the beauty of working with this particular lender is i know the ceo um well i know that he's got a lot of his own money in this particular deal i know this I guess you'd call her md really well we've done couple of deals together already we've always repaid on time or we've paid our interest payments on time etc so that's all all fine and dandy and they can deal with the complexity if anything she phones me up and said look i've spoken to the ceo we're happy to do this how do you propose doing it or what security i've spoken to the lawyer we would like abc can you do that and i go yeah i can do a and b but i can't do c because of this and we're kind of on the same page we're equally sophisticated and we're just i get that they need security and they get that <laughs> i need money to do these deals and so that's an example of an appropriate level of complexity where there's no risk of the complexity conundrum kicking in so I can ask for incredibly complicated terms and so long as they make commercial sense the lawyers can deal with it the lawyers are really switched on and commercially minded and really um proactive the lenders really 
sophisticated and gets complicated stuff and obviously we do so it's another example of kind of know your client that's um kyc is a, a common acronym now in law circles but actually know your client as in know the person you're dealing with and understand how much complexity because i know if i went to some lawyers and some lenders they absolutely wouldn't want to do anything out of the ordinary they'd want to just keep it really simple and so you could actually become a b or c class borrower for them just by asking all awkward questions in their opinion whereas with this particular lender they love lending to us you know she said today oh, i hope we can do loads more deals like this these are really good deals for us well of course they are you know <laughs> 1.8 million at 0.9 percent a month that's a really good deal for a lot of people but it's a good deal for us as well so that's an example of appropriate complexity where there's no risk of the deal worsening the fifth example i have is some property investors think to themselves and i've got two examples in my mind and i'm not going to name these people but i'll just give you a flavor for the mistake that they make and, and i've really tried my hardest to help and it's a everyone's on a journey making deals complicated doesn't make them profitable that's how i would sum this up and some property investors definitely fail to realize that so they look at the complexity conundrum and they go right so profit goes up with complexity i'm going to make this as complicated as i can it doesn't work that way <laughs> if you want to maximize the profit you have to have a bit of complexity in there not always but normally but just whacking in a load of complexity can just be really complicated really stressful really expensive in legal fees and paperwork ambiguous and jeopardize the deal in terms of the ability to get it over the line with the the vendor or the investor or whomever you're dealing with and so i've had people say to me frank i found an edc and I said, okay, great, let's have a look at it. And um, this particular investor, no, no longer um, part of the partnership, he brought a deal to me and he said, yeah, it's a six-month EDC. Well, straight away, that's an exchange with delayed completion, straight away, that is not a long period of time. My question straight away was, okay, so you can exchange now at market value. Yes, at market value. Okay, so basically he's buying it at market value. So what's going to change in the six months between now and then? What? Why are you not buying it now for market value? Then I'd have to put in a 25% deposit and I'm not getting a discount, etc. I said, okay, great. Get that. Yeah, that makes sense. So what's the difference in six months time? Well, there was no difference. It wasn't like he was going to put a new tenant in. It wasn't like he was going to develop the property. He just had it in his mind that a six month gap made it complicated which meant that it then worked as a deal but nothing the property was still going to be worth the same amount in six months time so that's an example of trying to complicate a deal in order to make it work you just end up with a complicated deal not a better deal and i've seen investors do that in the past where they've just made something complicated and then you have you end up with a really confused vendor a deal that probably didn't work at the start and now definitely doesn't work but it's so complicated no one can actually tell you that and you can kind of kid yourself that oh i've got myself a sophisticated deal but sophisticated deals aren't complicated unprofitable deals they are profitable deals that usually have a level of sophistication in them that a traditional investor can't get their head around or doesn't know is possible and therefore you make the money that a traditional investor wouldn't so that's another example of the complexity conundrum being misused or misunderstood perhaps my seventh example is a deal currently where it's incredibly complicated i've done one like it 
in the history of my investing. Uh, I'm not going to get into the details because that would be a whole podcast on its own. But basically, it's buying four properties simultaneously, no money down, involving a principal primary residence where the investor lives and involving multiple third party entities. Really, really complicated. And you look at this and I sat down and had a conversation with the MFAs involved. So the country owners involved who are supporting uh, this investor. And I said, this is really complicated, but it gets the end result for the vendor most importantly it makes it a really profitable deal for the client as in the, the investor the finance investors are happy everything works here but it's really complicated so there's a lot of moving parts so you're going to have to stay on top of all the moving parts but there's no simpler way of doing the deal so either you walk away from the deal or you do this complicated deal when everyone makes loads of money. And of course, it's the latter, but you have to then be ready for that level of complexity. You have to be on it. You need to manage all the relationships. You need to make sure that the deal doesn't fall over because someone doesn't understand what's happening. And so that's an example of a necessarily complicated deal. You'd ideally have it simpler, but simpler doesn't work. So it has to be that complicated. So again, it's an example of a necessary level of complexity in order to make the deal. And then finally, my eighth example, real life example, is one that I'm doing at the moment. Now, this is where I'm buying a business. I'm buying a business at the moment, different to the franchise. This is a um, martial arts school of all, all things. And I'm buying this martial arts school with a partner. Initially, we wanted to buy the school, buy the students, uh, or buy the contracts with the students rather, uh, take over the lease of the building, and then negotiate either a vendor finance purchase or an exchange or delay completion or an option to buy on the building. And that was a lovely layer of icing on the deal, the fact that we'd have this building in uh, North London, which basically the business would pay for over the next five to, to 10 years. So really nice deal great cake to use the the metaphor of the cake and a nice layer of icing there's about three or four layers of icing but all of them revolve around us owning the building at some point in the future and having permanent control of it and initially it looked like it was going to fly and we were going to get all of our layers of icing so that that was when the business owner was talking to the landlord and relaying what the landlord was saying but as soon as we entered into direct negotiation with the landlord it changed massively and i don't know if it was a breakdown in communication i don't know if the landlord changed how they felt about it there was certainly no change of heart so no one said one thing and then did another thing but somehow it became blatantly obvious that what we thought was a nailed on opportunity to buy clearly isn't for some reason they don't want to sell to us it looks like they do want to sell but not to us and i don't quite understand that it would be very easy for me to look at the deal and go well i i want to be able to buy it so i'm gonna stick with that level of complexity and push it right up there but this landlord is not that sophisticated quite an elderly gentleman there's some family members in the background as well i don't think he's got a massive portfolio i think it's just this property and a few others so I'm not sure the concept of vendor finance, the concept of exchange with delay completion, even options to buy are that common to him, are that well known. And if I bang on about those, I'm liable to lose the cake. But what I really want to do is get the business. I'm buying the business for a very, very good price. I want to get the business, which will make us significant money. And then I can negotiate the purchase from the landlord later. 
I've got a five-year lease, so there's no hurry. So sometimes it's appropriate, and I touched on this earlier with some of my earlier examples, it's appropriate to just get the deal over the line if the deal works in a simpler form and then introduce a, a further layer of complexity because I'm happy to pay market value for this property over time. Once I've got the business working better, I can get better finance on it. And so... It's a case of, yeah, I'll just take the deal now as it is, which is the lease and the business for a good price. And then I can do that later on. So guys, I hope that those eight examples have really helped you to understand the complexity conundrum better. When you're approaching a vendor, an investor, even a purchaser of one of your properties, don't have complexity as your main goal. Have getting the deal over the line your main goal and then as an afterthought, think to yourself, can I add to the profit? Can I add to the bottom line for me, for the other person, for everyone involved? And if that requires a little bit of jumping through hoops, that's the time when you consider the complexity conundrum. Guys, until we talk again, happy investing. Sophisticated Property Investing, a podcast brought to you by Ethical Property Partners, the experts in sophisticated property investment.